follow Jesus, we believe there is absolute truth. Our behavior will always follow our belief. Mm. Truth is truth regardless of what we think about it. You know, truth is, truth could care less about what I think right. or what I'm convinced of. When you live in a world where there's no absolutes, then it really leads to chaos. It really does. And I think that's what we're seeing. You know, if we build our understanding of God or a worldview on maybe like our experience or what we, you know, what we reason out to be, well, this makes the most sense. If it's not really based or grounded in truth, mm. absolute truth, Jesus, mm. what we land on can be very different than if we start out with Jesus. To, to, to simply uh, align our lives with the way we feel, like we're going to experience this giant roller coaster ride. To actually live according to the truth, we have the Holy Spirit to correct us, to teach us, to guide us, to empower us, to enable us, and the list goes on. And how difficult that seems really is made possible, not made easy by the power of the Word of the Holy Spirit in our life. Welcome to this week's episode of What Do I Think? A podcast where we stop and explore some questions we have that are maybe going through your head too. We believe the Bible is absolute truth, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and that someday He is returning. But if you're anything like us, as you read the Bible and follow after Christ, there are many questions that arise. Well, ultimately, we will never be able to figure out all the answers, and that's okay. This podcast digs into some of those questions, and we hope it will lead to some helpful discovery and knowing God more as you ask yourself, what do I think? Well, I'm here again today with Pastor Ben. Ben, how are you today, man? I'm good. How are you? Good. It's uh, been a little bit of a crazy week, but I guess that's how it goes sometimes. It has been. It's been. Uh, it's it's kind of really crazy because my wife is out of town. Okay. And I've got the kids here. At least three of them. Three of our four. Uh -huh. The three that are in school. And so uh, this week I've been a dad. I've been a pastor, and I've gotten to be a teacher for a little while. <laughs> and uh, I'm I'm not. That's not what I'm best at. Uh, so uh, so Mr. Dad and uh, Pastor <laughs> and uh, te Teacher Ben. So yes, that's yes. good. Uh, we've, as you and I've been talking, it surfaced up just this idea of truth. You know, what is truth? Uh, yeah. How do we develop truth? Uh, how do we know when something is truth or when it's not truth? And so, as you and I were talking, a book came to mind. Uh, it's a book called Ethics by Sean McDowell. Uh, it's primarily written towards kind of a framework of youth and working through some of those things. But the beginning, he really breaks down truth in three different ways. And there's subjective truth. Subjective truth is really kind of what we think, so what we come to believe is true. Uh, it's dependent really on our experience, our thought process. Uh, there, so that subjective truth can be different for everyone. Like if I say, I love chocolate ice cream, then that's my subjective truth, but you might not love chocolate ice cream. Objective truth is more kind of universal truth, uh, and so it's shaped by things outside of us and a speed limit. If the speed limit is 45 miles an hour, it is that's that's the that's speed it. limit. Uh, but that can change, and so objective truth can change over time based on circumstances. Sure. But it's outside of us. And then there's absolute truth, which which is unchanging, which is absolute, 
And so for those that follow Christ, we believe absolute truth comes from the Word of God. Yes. And, and, and I mean, even at a more basic level, because we follow Jesus, we believe there is absolute truth. Right. You know, and, and it is him. Right. Uh, but, that you know, I think there's, there's a lot of people that really may not ascribe to the idea of an absolute truth sure. among us. It doesn't really make it untrue, but, it, you know, thinking about truth, it, it is. Like, right. Jesus is the truth. Right. And so we have that basis. And, yeah, this conversation, I guess, really started, you know, between us. And I, in my mind, there was a lot going on of, you know, people, people around us, some in our church, some outside our church, really uh, have some unique views about God that sometimes I, I kind of scratch my head at. Uh, but I've, I've learned, you know, everyone has a, a working theology, so to speak. Mm. They have an understanding of who God is. And so, but how we get there, I think is what's most important. And mm. so, you know, if we build our understanding of God or a worldview on maybe like our experience or what we, you know, what we reason out to be, well, this makes the most sense. If it's not really based or grounded in truth, hmm. absolute truth, Jesus, hmm. what we land on can be very different than if we start out with Jesus. Sure. And so I think it's really important for those of us, as you said, those who follow Christ, those of us who are part of his church, to really build our lives on truth and the truth hmm. of Jesus Christ. Hmm. And that was something, I mean, kind of at the turn of, I'm going to say the century, but the millennium, whatever, you know, back in like around the 2000s, late 90s, 2000s, kind of came into what's identified as the postmodern yeah. society, postmodern thinking. And now I think we're maybe even like post-postmodern, you know. But <laughs> yeah. uh, one of those things that's really kind of a mark of that is that absolute truth has kind of gone out the window. That it's kind of more become what's good for you is good for you, what's good for me is good for me. Uh, we even hear that people sometimes that identify as Christians say, you know, but if someone believes something else, like that's okay for them. <laughs> and and there we might touch on some of that. You know, we mentioned the verse, just uh, Jesus presented grace and truth, and so there should be grace. But when you live in a world where there's no absolutes, then it really leads to chaos. It really does. And I think that's what we're seeing, even right now. No, absolutely. Right now. Absolutely. Uh, and inside the church and outside the church. You know, this whole idea, and I mean, you, you've heard it, you know, you do you. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, like, yeah, that's that's great, and maybe that's nice, or, you know, but at the end of the day, like, if there are no boundaries, you know, if there is no truth, uh, we do. We, we find ourselves in utter chaos. There's mm -hmm. no order, and I think especially looking at the, you know, from a Christian perspective, with Christ being the essence of truth, there are borders, there are boundaries, there there is safety, there's there's framework, a system to build our life on. Mm -hmm. You take that out of the picture, and really, I mean, it's everything's up for grabs, and it creates a really not only chaotic, but oftentimes dangerous yeah. uh, place sure. and dangerous life yeah. to, to live. Yeah. Uh, so, anyway, you know, scripturally, obviously, with I mean, going back to even like the Israelites, uh, God gave them truth, and then when they stepped outside of that and kind of operated in like the cultures that were around them, where there were less absolutes or you worship the God you want, you know, where they sometimes had hundreds of gods, yeah. um, then that led to chaos and, and danger. And I mean, so really from the beginning of time, we can see that. But I, I was even thinking, and I don't know your thoughts, maybe this isn't a great analogy, but I mean, you think about what happened with Hitler and the Nazis. Sure. Because he framed what truth was, that yeah. we need to eradicate Jews, that the non-Aryan race is not equal to the Aryan race. And so because of that, we're going to base this whole ideology and system on yeah. that. 
And people bought into that yes. because they didn't stop and ask, well, what's really, like, what is true about this? Yeah. Um, and so I think that can be certainly an extreme of but what can happen when truth becomes so subjective or even objective and not absolute. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. And I think oftentimes we mistake passion or um, sincerity. You know, you can be sincerely convicted or convinced of something. But if it's true, it's true. If it's not true, it's not true. Sure. And, and you know, in the case with Hitler or, or many others, you can be sincerely passionate, committed to and for or with something, but that doesn't necessarily make it true. Mm. Um, I mean, I, I, I got kids. Sure. We, believe it or not, we actually argue at times about things. <laughs> and, and, and sometimes the arguments are just flat out silly, but... You know, you you get a six-year-old who's got something planted in her head that that she believes to be true, whether it is or not. Man, you're not going to win that argument. And so, oh. just because someone believes something doesn't necessarily make it true. And I think that's one of the things that that really has jumped out to me in this idea of like searching for truth or what is truth is just that uh, number one, that our behavior will always follow our belief, oh. but our belief in order for it to be solid or valid or meaningful, mm. it must be grounded in truth. You can believe something that's not true. Sure. And certainly you can behave accordingly to an untrue belief uh, that can really lead you down a dangerous path. Mm. And so we must, as followers of Jesus, dig for, scratch around for, search and seek the truth. Mm. Mm. Yeah, and just listen to you talking about that, that like, so there has to be, there has to be a standard at which we base off. And so if the standard that we're basing beliefs and behaviors off of is incorrect or untrue, then no matter how strict we follow it or this or that, it's, it's like we're off. And, you know, thinking about uh, like our vehicles, we all drive in cars. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And if, I've, if I'd noticed that my tire's very flat and I put a gauge on it and it says, hey, it's 40 PSI, I'm like, oh, well, the gauge says it's okay, so things must be good. Yeah. But then when I hop in the car and it's flop, 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 yep. then you know that, hey, that gauge was wrong. So even yep. though that gauge is saying this is what it is, that, that's wrong. And so, you know, people that are even give pushback to, well, there are no absolutes. Like, that's an absolute. If you yeah. say there's no absolutes, that's an absolute. Yeah. One of my, you uh, said cars. I thought I thought we were headed somewhere else <laughs> there, but, I, you know, being a dude, um, right. you know, directions, <laughs> I, I got it all up here in my head, <laughs> okay. right? You know, we know, we know that we live on the coast. I mean, you know, we're, we're just, we're literally just uh, feet from, from the beach right now. Mm -hmm. And so in order to go really anywhere else in the U S we, we're going to go North, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, well, you know, if I go out here on, on, uh, on the main drag and I take a right, I'm not going North, no matter <laughs> how much I want to, or intend to, or believe sure. that turning right is going to you're, you know, it's there's a level at which no matter how much we convince ourselves, truth is truth, regardless mm. of what we think about it. You know, truth is truth could care less about right. what I think right. or what I'm convinced of. And of course, that comes off sometimes as being arrogant or, uh, you know, especially we thinking in light of the gospel. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's, it's awfully arrogant for you to say that Jesus is the only way. Yeah. But have you met him? Like, you know, sure. he. He made the way. Right. Know, he is the truth. He is the life. Yeah, it, it is quite a claim to say that Jesus is the truth and that he is the foundation of all that he is. And we can measure and our lives according to him. 
but because he is true, it will lead to life and it will actually take us somewhere sure. rather than somewhere we don't want to go or never intended to be all because we bought into some lie that wasn't true. You know, so we're living in that time of fake news. You know, we're living in a time where, you know, the whole, the whole mask debate, there's a supposed truth on both sides. You know, the ones yeah. that say that you need to wear masks. Say, here's the evidence for that, the yeah. proof, the truth for that. And then there's those on the side that say, no, here's the proof and the truth that they're not doing anything. And so you know, science that's supposedly supposed to be all about truth and process, yeah. uh, there's, there's contradiction and all that. So I think that all boils down to then how do we determine what is truth? How do we know truth is truth? Uh, and then how do we live according to that? And so, you, you know, you mentioned Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. Yeah. Uh, and as two guys in ministry, we obviously believe that the Bible is that, but kind of transitioning into that idea of, so how do we know what truth is? What are your thoughts along that process, even as we kind of turn into Scripture? Sure. You know, to, to me, you know, Jesus came on the scene. It was John the Baptist that mm. saw Jesus coming from a distance and, you know, behold the Lamb of God. And, and John, the gospel writer, tells us, you know, that Jesus was, you know, God in the flesh mm. and he came to live among us and he was full of grace and truth. Mm. And so, you know, the scripture would, would direct us toward believing Jesus to be true mm -hmm. and the embodiment of God here on earth. And so, you know, it takes a level of faith, I believe, to step into that. But what I think you'll find is that the evidence that surrounds it all points back toward it being true and mm -hmm. right. Mm -hmm. That, you know, everything Jesus claimed turned out, you know, historically to actually be true. Mm -hmm. We have evidence of that, you know. And I, and I think, too, the Scripture also, especially if you start looking back toward the Old Testament, I don't know that the, we use the word truth a lot in the Old Testament, but one thing that we were taught, especially in the, the Proverbs, was to seek after wisdom. And, and I believe the way I understand wisdom and the way I understand uh, our word, you know, the word truth is that, you know, wisdom is the, I guess, the, the art or science behind discovering that which is true. That, you know, wisdom is being able to discover and discern that which is right and good, that which mm. is absolutely true. Mm. And so those who are wise are able to discover truth, but also they find themselves adhering to it, whereas the fool is blind to see, and they wander down paths. And, and of course, you know, we don't have to look too much further in Scripture to see that the truth, wisdom, wisdom leads to truth, and truth leads to life, mm. whereas, you know, foolishness, or the fool, you know, chases after falsities and winds up in uh, darkness. And so, just in thinking about Scriptures, and one of the things that we're living in right now at uh, is I, I just started a sermon series out of Colossians. Like we're just going to walk through Paul's letter to the church at Colossae. And so uh, one of the things we know, we know a lot, or we know a few things about the church at Colossae. Paul actually didn't start it. Epaphras, a friend of his, started the church. Paul meets up with him in prison in Rome. And that's where they have a conversation around this church and how things are going. And, and apparently Epaphras and certainly, you know, Paul would allude to that he has some nice things to say about the church, mm. but he also somewhere along the way um, reveals to Paul that there's some untruths creeping in. Mm. Uh, in mm. in fact, if we if we go back and, and we look, we see you know Paul. One of the words that 
you know, some of the instruction that Paul gives to the church is to don't let, don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that come from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world rather than from Christ. And mm-hmm. so I, I think, you know, if I were to rephrase Paul, I would just say to the church, don't, don't believe these wild ideas mm-hmm. that really are not true. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, and I think one of the most beautiful... Are you in chapter 2? Yeah. yeah, 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 my bad, yeah. Chapter 2, verse, like... Starting in 4. Yeah, I'm really uh, starting, yeah, back in 4, uh, you know, verse 6, let your roots grow down deep uh, so mm-hmm. that your faith can grow. Mm-hmm. And so this idea, what's even more beautiful about this is Paul, when he first starts the conversation with the church, he prays a prayer over them. Mm-hmm. You know, first he recognizes them for what they're doing, the good things, and then he offers up just a simple prayer, and he says, we've not stopped praying for you. And mm-hmm. again, he's, he's in prison with Epaphras. Epaphras mm-hmm. is their pastor, and Paul is, you know, I guess, certainly an encourager, if not an overseer of mm-hmm. Epaphras. And, and he says, you know, we're here. We've not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. And so we ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will. This is chapter mm-hmm. 1, like verse 9 and following. Mm-hmm. He says, we are praying to God that you would be given complete knowledge of his will and that also he would give you spiritual wisdom and understanding, which mm. I think, I mean, if you had to boil that down into one word, Paul just wants them to know the truth. Mm. Don't be fooled. Don't be duped. There is a truth. His name is Jesus. Because mm-hmm. right out of that prayer, Paul just paints this beautiful, even poetic picture of who Jesus is. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we, you know, in the church, we use terms, the supremacy of Christ. <laughs> Paul lays it out sure. in that beautiful poem. He tells us who Jesus is because Jesus is the truth. Mm-hmm. But before he even lays that out for them, he says, I'm praying for you mm-hmm. that God would give you knowledge of his will, wisdom and understanding to know Christ. Mm-hmm. Cause when you know Christ, you know the truth. Mm-hmm. That's good. Uh, you know, in, in there, in Colossians 2, 4, um, in CSB, it says, I'm saying this so that no one will be deceived uh, with arguments that sound reasonable. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, there's going to be things that even maybe sound true. And I think we're certainly living in that age. Yeah. Uh, you know, but how many times did Jesus give warnings? And then Paul threw out in several of his letters that talked about that people were going, are going to be pulled away. People are going to be deceived by antichrists and the antichrist. And this isn't going to just be foolish people. These are probably going to be some people that would consider them Christ- themselves Christians, you know, that uh, are pretty smart people are going to be deceived yes. by these people. And so that's why it's so important to, like you say, have that wisdom, have that knowledge. And I know I listened to part of your sermon Sunday, and that was one of your encouragements. People was like, you've got to be in God's word. You know, we have to know the Word of God. Yes. Uh, And it's not just enough to listen to sermons. We've got to be in it from ourselves. A few minutes ago, you just mentioned that idea of things that are true will be known that they're true. You know, kind of the the proof is in the pudding, so to say. Mm -hmm. That's not a a theological concept, certainly. Uh, But, (laughs) you know, just that idea that true things will be revealed that they're true. Cream always rises to the top. That's right. Like you can't erase truth. Like right. it just, it is. Everything can erode around it, but it will remain. Yeah. And I was thinking, you know, in, in Acts, uh, in chapter 5, 
uh, after the, the apostles had kind of been put on trial, uh, Gamaliel, in starting in verse 33, stands up and says, Look, in the past there's been people that have risen up, and they've passed away, and when, when they were killed, their followers went with them. But then he says this in verse 38, talking about the apostles. He says, so in the present case, I tell you, stay away from these men and leave them alone. For if this plan or this work is of human origin, it will fail. But if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them. You may even find yourself fighting against God. Yeah. And it says, and they were persuaded by him. And so you know, this idea of if God's word is not absolute truth, uh, it's, it's going to be found out that way. But here we are thousands of years later and time and time again, it's proven true. You know, you and I just in your personal life, you know, think about how true God's word has been, been proven. I think one thing I'd point out too, and you said something earlier that, that took me back and I, and I can't ruin out what you said, but like just this, this idea that it, it has to be grounded in the truth of God's word. Like I, the way we understand what, what truth really is, like if it comes from our way of thinking or just reason, uh, I mentioned earlier uh, just this idea that everyone has a, a working theology or a, mm -hmm. a, some understanding of the world or of God, and um, you know, I, as a as a Wesleyan or a follower of Jesus in the Wesleyan tradition, <laughs> sure. I should say, Wesley, or at least it's been attributed to Wesley. There was sort of this quadrilateral is the fancy word that was used, but this idea that Wesley understood who God is mm -hmm. uh, and, and what the world was through the lens of Scripture, uh, which was viewed by reason, tradition, and experience. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and so that's that's been termed long after Wesley was dead, sure. the Wesleyan quadrilateral, which I'm not even really sure what a quadrilateral <laughs> is, but it makes it sound like the four are equal. Mm -hmm. And they're really not. It's certainly not, a way, not the way Wesley understood it. Scripture was primary, sure. but you understood and interpreted Scripture mm. through the lens mm. of reason, our, you know, our ability to understand mm. logic, you know, how to tradition. In other mm. words, what has the church said? What have followers of Jesus said and believed and mm. thought for years? Mm. And then also experience. What has been my experience? Mm. Like what, how have I personally uh, encountered the truth about God in my inner spirit, mm. um, which I think those are all valid ways of looking at the scripture. But if ever one of those takes a higher stance mm. above the scripture or, you know, trumps out scripture, mm. that's when I think we really start to lose. But I think that's the real danger of our current culture is that so much of how we interpret truth is based on either reason mm. a lot, but experience like, well, this is what I felt. This is what I thought, mm. and so therefore it must be true. Mm. And I think, you know, when you, you take that and, you know, many of us, I think unbeknowing, we, we make assumptions about God and about, you know, our worldview that are really based on what we've experienced mm. way more so than what maybe Scripture might lead us mm. to believe. You know, I believe all most people are good. Well, the Scripture would say, no, everyone's evil, mm. and only by the grace of God can we be made right. Mm -hmm. you, you know what I mean? And yeah. so... There's there's ways in which we we've, we've got to kind of check ourselves a little bit. I I told you I was teacher dad this this week. It looks like I'm gonna keep that role at least through September now because okay. uh, they 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 pushed the dates back. Right. But uh, Lizzie, our youngest, third grade, she was doing some reading and comp reading comprehension stuff. Uh -huh. And one of the one of the articles that she had to read was on superstitions. Okay. And I'm sitting there reading it, and I'm like, oh, this is you know cute. It's funny. It's kind of dumb. But I'm like, you know. 
the end question of the reading coverage, are you superstitious? Hmm. And of course she wrote no. And I was like, good for you, you know? <laughs> but then again, like how many times have you busted a, a glass or mirror and mm -hmm. thought, Oh, is this really real? Like for real? <laughs> or have you ever walked under a ladder and thought, man, I don't know. But like, <laughs> is that stuff true? No, right. we know it's not true. But how many of us, mm -hmm. you know, when the SEC starts playing football again, <laughs> we're going to put on a certain shirt. We're going to put our pants on a certain way. And we're going to, you know, sit at a certain spot. And sure. We're going to do everything we did last year when right. they won that game because we think somehow it has, it makes a difference because right. that's what we experienced. Right. And, and unfor you know, it's cute in football yeah. or, it's, you know, when it comes to superstitions. Mm -hmm. But unfortunately, I think that's also the way in which oftentimes we come to know truth about God. Right. Well, you know, good things started happening to me and I was doing this, this and this. And so therefore, I'm going to keep doing that because that's how God's going to bless me. Sure. Well, that's not really how it works. Like sure. We know that from the truth. Sure but our experience sometimes overrides. And sure. I think that's a real danger when we think about truth is, does what we believe mm. really line up with the truth of God's word? Mm. Does it really line up with the truth of who God is as, as revealed to us in Jesus Christ? Mm -hmm. And if, if it is true, how is that now affecting, how is that belief in that truth now affecting my behavior? Mm. And I think that's the, the real sort of tie it all in a bow at the end of the deal is like, what do I believe to be true? Is it really true? Mm. Do I really believe it now that I know that, you know, think that it's true? And then do I believe it enough that I'm willing to sort of lean my life into it so that my behavior now reflects mm. that which I believe mm. that it is actually true? Mm -hmm. You say, is it really this or this? That word really, I think, can be a, a good or a bad word. Mm just listen to you think, you know, because that was the first quote we have of Satan in the in the Bible is in yeah. Genesis. And the first thing he says to Eve is, did God really say that if you eat this fruit, you will die? And I know that's not what God said. Yeah. That That is not what, that was a misquotation. Sure. Um, and so Satan was just twisting the truth a little bit. And so it was like, did God really say this? Uh, and I think, you know, that's where legalism and some of those things can come in where we're like, well, God's word doesn't specifically say this. So is this really, you know, this way or, you know, this or that, but so we can kind of use it in that like deceptive way sure. or it can be that lens of, okay, I've heard this. I feel this. Um, what does God's word really or actually say about this? How does uh, it measure up? Yes, yes. And so that word really can lead us to question or can lead us to twist things or it can lead us to investigate and, and search God's word. Yeah. You know, I think we see this in the church, uh, you know, especially in the charismatic church. Uh, it's very emotional based. It's, sure. Uh, and, you know, getting into like pneumatology, just the belief of the, the Holy Spirit. It's like there's, mm -hmm. there's extremes and kind of that one extreme is that we have to feel this way and how much do we even create that in the church like, sure. that we pr we really prey on people's emotions sometimes yeah. because we're trying to create this or enter into this or this mm -hmm. time and it's this very emotion driven thing and and so so many times then when we are basing our truth on something that we've experienced then we put God in a box and we say God 
to know that you're real or to experience you, you must do this one thing every time. Yes. Because that's what I experienced that one time. And if I don't experience that, then God must not be present. Right. Or must not be. Yeah. Right. Uh, and I, you know, I think Jesus, kind of the example of that, when he we see three accounts of him healing blind people. Yeah. And I'm sure he healed way more blind people. We see yeah. those three accounts. And he healed each person a different way each time yep. uh, because he was in tune with the Holy Spirit. He didn't say, hey, because last time I, I spit on dirt and rubbed mud on his eye, then I'm going to do that every time. Me, I'd be like, that's the way you heal blind people. That's right. Um, and so it's not about experience. It's really saying, God, what what is true about you, uh, not based on what is true about who who I am. I don't know. Does that, does that make sense? Yeah. No, it, it, what is true, what's absolutely true. Yeah based on absolute truth, not mm-hmm. on my understanding of it or interpretation there. Right, right. Like, like, show me that. What, what really is it? Right. Uh, I think you're right. Yeah. 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 You hear that argument a lot of times that, mm-hmm. uh, well, if God made me this way, then it must, this must be right. But we're all made with certain proclivities. You know, we're all made with yeah. certain things that feel right to us. But if we look at God's word and see what it says, then we see that, well, no, no, this isn't right. And so just because an alcoholic is drawn towards alcohol doesn't make it right. Just because a, a male might enjoy looking at pornography yeah. and, and that just because you feel that way doesn't make it right. And, and I think that's really where we've gotten to a place in society and kind of getting back to, you know, you do you is absolute truth is do what's absolutely right for you and that's that just is a is, is not good but to 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 simply uh align our lives with the way we feel like mm-hmm. we're going to experience just giant roller coaster ride number one mm-hmm. but also like i i have acted on my feelings before it mm-hmm. has led me to some places of great pain and regret mm-hmm. and and i in in the moment i thought i was making a very wise decision right. Not so much, but it was all because of well, what does Ben think about this mm. rather than what does the truth mm. say about this? Like mm. where, how does this fit into the truth of God? Mm. And that is, that's the, that's the real danger. What is the ultimate measuring stick of what we sink our lives into? Right. And you're right. You can't like, there are a lot of things that seem right and feel good mm-hmm. that aren't necessarily true. You, you know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? I mean, I'm a big dude. Like, I love Mexican food, but I know my limit. You know what I mean? Sure. And I've learned that the hard way, right? Yeah. But, but you know, we just because something looks good, feels good, like it doesn't necessarily make it right. Right. And, and, I, and I think, you know, while that may be received by some people as negative, well, you just don't want me to have any fun. You don't sure. want me to enjoy life. You don't want me. No, no. What I, what I would love for you to do is to recognize the freedom that comes through adhering to the truth Mm -hmm. of God. You know, Jesus being the truth, you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. Mm -hmm. There is freedom found, even for those of us who feel like, you know, maybe God is saying you can or can't do this. Mm -hmm. You ought to do this or you shouldn't do that. Rather than seeing that as a, just a simple roadblock to, I don't want you to enjoy life. Perhaps God has something that is far more, you know, filled with greater joy Mm. for you that you were designed for and made for that you're not actually willing to even entertain because you can't get past what's right here in front of you yeah. and you're being tempted by it. So, right. 
yeah, so many times you do hear of, well, you Christians, you're all about a bunch of these rules or ruining fun or you need to live a little, this and that. But you referencing you know, John chapter 15, mm -hmm. uh, in verse 10, he says, If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. And so it's like, man, that word commandment is like some, sometimes this negative connotation. So, but why? Because in verse 11, he says, I have told you these things so that my, my joy may be in you yes. and your joy may be complete. Absolutely. And later on, he says that I've come to give you life, life abundantly. And so Jesus is not a fun ruiner. Um, <laughs> I don't know if that's a word. Uh, Jesus not, is, is not a, a, a joy sucker. He knows that only living through obedience to God, only through living in communion with the Holy Spirit is what's going to allow us to live life to the fullest, yep. not, in a, and not in a worldly sense, in, in, the, in every sense of who He says He is. And, and, and that's, you know, we do. We think of God's Word as this, this standard. But, you know, you, you mentioned the, the verse where uh, Jesus came in, in grace and truth, and that's in light, right before that, it's talking about the, the law of Moses. Yeah. And it's like, the law, law can, laws can change. There is this, like, objectivity of law. But he says, I came to bring truth, but it's the truth in grace. And so, like you said, there's freedom in that. And when we base our relationship, even with God, on our feelings, on what we think, like you said, it's a roller coaster. And you know, I've been uh, thinking about Joseph recently, just because our pastor preached on it last Sunday. It's like, man, if he was basing his relationship and understanding and love for God on his circumstances, sure. he'd, have, he'd have never made it to Potiphar's house to begin with. But then even there, you know, he, yeah, was, it, he was betrayed. <laughs> um, so. It never ended, right? Like it just kept, it, it kept changing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but God was still present mm. and leading him to a place he never would have dreamed for mm. or asked for or thought possible. Uh, one of the things you said, you're talking about grace and truth again, and I'm just going to throw this out there. Jesus was full of grace and truth. Mm. And I heard a pastor one time uh, talk about that. And Jesus being full of grace and full of truth didn't mean he was 50-50. Mm. It didn't mm. mean he was somewhat gracious and somewhat <laughs> truthful. Yeah. You know, and but I think that's the way oftentimes we want to interact with people or we want to believe. Like, well, we want to believe, we want things, you know, we know what's right, but we also want to be gracious. And so therefore we have to sort of take truth with a grain of salt and so that we can be gracious. No, Jesus was full of grace and full of truth. Mm. And I don't, I don't begin to think I could explain that to you or help you under, you know, understand it in the depth of what he meant. But I, for my life, I have leaned into, okay, Jesus really is a hundred percent truth. Mm. He's truth and he is righteous and he is calling me to that same thing and yet he still so when he looks at my sin he doesn't just ignore it the truth part of him causes him to see me for my broken self but the grace that is also 100 percent drives him to give his life for me mm. and so when i attempt to live in according to you know in in response to that i have to abide by the truth while also recognizing that jesus is entirely gracious mm. and so it's not 50-50, sure. it's 100% of each, mm. full on, just like Jesus is fully God, fully man, mm. full of grace, full of truth, and there's no, there's no changing that. No, no. It is that idea of, obviously Jesus is that example of what it really means to live in absolute truth. I was listening to a, a podcast recently, and 
Uh, he brought up the verse, Romans 5, 8, that I had never kind of seen in this light before. But it says, although he, being Jesus, was the son, he learned obedience from what he suffered. And I don't know if I think of Jesus as learning obedience. I'm like, well, he was God. He was just obedient, right? Because yeah. he was fully yeah. God. But he was fully man. Uh, in fact, in, in Romans, uh, it's 5, 6, or 7 in there, it says that uh, his son was sent in the image of sinful man. And so we always think, you know, Jesus was in the, you know, we were created in the image of God. Yeah. Uh, Jesus is in the image of God. But it says, that, like, he was sent to earth in this shell of sinful man. But through that, through not, oh, not and, and, you know, this, this, is, this could be a whole other conversation. I'm not pretending to have full sure. grasp on all of this. Yeah. But, you know, that, that question, could Jesus have sinned? That's a... That's a, a whole deal. Yeah. We could get into a yeah. big theological debate. It's but big he big. was fully human. Yes, um, and it says here in Hebrews 5.8 that he learned obedience uh, through his suffering. So the way, you know, what Jesus walked through, and in those times, being obedient to God, holding to truth, mm -hmm. that's what made him different than you and I. He was tempted in every way and did right. not sin. Right. And, so, right. and, and I believe, and this is a very fantasized thought, like, I believe that we're called to that same level of obedience mm. and, and, and and righteousness, mm. not of our own accord, but because of what Christ has done in us, what the Holy Spirit continues to perfect and refine in us. And I believe that that can be attained. Mm. I'm not there yet. Sure, sure. Don't don't mis, don't mis, don't misunderstand me. But I believe we're called to that that high and mm. holy place of actually living and acting just like Jesus mm -hmm. in in full obedience mm -hmm. in full submission and and walking in righteousness mm -hmm. I hadn't figured it out yet he's <laughs> sure. still working on me sure. but I believe that's the direction with which we are called to go mm -hmm. now one other thing and I, to kind of wrap us up mm -hmm. I don't know if yeah. you're if you're ready to, to sort of close this down I'm enjoying the conversation but in just thinking about these things it can be a bit of a daunting task to think that okay, if, if Jesus really is truth, like, am I really prepared? <laughs> Can I handle the truth? Sure. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. uh, now that we know, you know, if we, if we discover truth, if, uh, you know, if, you know, Paul's prayed that prayer over us that we'd have uh, understanding and wisdom and, you know, are we really prepared to, to encounter mm. the truth? Because then it means we either have to say yes or no. We either have to abide by or to, to, to decline mm. and and we know the consequences of each mm. and and so uh, ignorance is often bliss in this world but really it's not what we're called to mm. and so knowing that like well, are we prepared to live mm. in light of the truth of who God is and and I part of me says yeah let's do it the other part is like um I don't know I don't know I, I'm 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 trying but I ain't right. there yet and so I think for me the promise of the Holy Spirit that Jesus gives us, mm -hmm. particularly in, in John. In fact, John 16, he's having a conversation with them preparing for his departure. He knows what's ahead. You know, he's got his disciples. I guess he's doing one last minute download, trying to make sure <laughs> that they're ready. And, and, and we all know that they weren't quite and neither are we. But he says in verse 12, he says, there's so much more that I want to tell you, but I can't bear it right now. Mm. He says, when the spirit of truth comes, and he's already promised that this, the whole, mm -hmm. you know, I'm going to send you an advocate, uh, one who will reveal to you everything, you know, remind you everything I've taught you, mm. you know, all of these things the Holy Spirit will do. He says, when the spirit of truth comes, he's going to guide you into all truth. 
mm. which I, to me, that is a great, great gift. Um, you know, I know that the truth of God is, is, is here in his word. And I know that it's my, my duty, but also my high privilege to get to read and to study and to, to, mm. to discover who God is. But it's not just my brain's ability to comprehend what's on these paper in black and mm. white. Mm. There is a, is the very presence of God is in me. Mm. The very presence of God, Jesse, is in you. Mm. And everyone who's listening to this, mm. the Spirit of God wants to move and work in your life to reveal to you truth. Mm. The truth about who God is as revealed in Jesus. And so Jesus says, when the Spirit of truth comes, He'll guide you into all truth. He will not speak on His own, but He'll tell you what He has heard. He will tell you about the future. He will bring me glory, telling you whatever He receives from me, all that belongs to the Father's mind, and all, uh, and that—that that is what I said. The Spirit will tell you whatever He receives mm. from me. You and I have the very truth of God as made mm. known in Jesus, in in us, mm. because the Spirit, Holy Spirit, lives and works and moves mm. within us. And so, to discover what truth is, we've got the Holy Spirit. Mm. To actually live according to the truth. Mm. We have the Holy Spirit to correct us, to teach us, to guide us, to empower us, to enable us, and the list goes on. Mm. God has called us to this high and holy call mm. to become like Jesus, to be returned mm. back to that image with which we were first created, mm. to live a life that aligns with His truth. And how difficult that seems really is made possible and I, made easy mm. by the power and the work of the Holy Spirit in our mm. life. And I believe you, you were talking earlier about you know, these manifestations of the Spirit and how mm. oftentimes our experience drives, you know, mm -hmm. man, the real gift of the Holy Spirit is that He has awakened my soul mm. and revealed Christ to me. Yeah. That is a gift. Mm. That is supernatural. That is miraculous yeah. that God seeks to do that on a day-to-day -day basis so that even when I'm, you know, tired and I don't want to read and it's dark outside and I'm just trying to get a nugget, trying to get something from the Scripture, the Spirit shows up and gives life, reveals mm. truth, shows us who Jesus is. Mm -hmm. What a gift. Yeah. What a gift. And, and that kind of age-old question is, what's the purpose of life? And you know, for followers of Christ, I think sometimes that question is answered to do the will of God or to be used by Him. But I think that's a byproduct of really what I hear you saying, too, that the whole purpose and goal of life is to know God. And, and to love Him more. And then through that, as we love Him more and as we know Him more, it, it is through the Holy Spirit that we're radically transformed. And anyone listening, or just even you know, a good reminder for myself, like if you feel stuck or it's like, I don't know what to, to do, you know, where am I going in life? And you know, all these questions are maybe coming up. It's like, and the starting point is just to know God more. Yeah. And as you just read there, that He wants to, He doesn't want to keep us in the dark. He wants to reveal His plans to us. Uh, and I think sometimes maybe we focus more on, God, what are your plans for my life, rather than, God, who are you? Yes. Uh, and, and God, I love you. Yes. And so just in, in kind of closing Philippians uh, you know, 1.6, I'm sure of this, that he who started a good work in you will carry it out to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. And so, Amen. you know, wherever we are along the journey, we have a promise that God will continue to, to reveal himself to us, to speak truth to us, then the question is, Is are we, are we listening? Are we open to that? And when there's this incongruence of, well, I feel this way, but God's Word says this, then we have to, we have to go with what God's Word says. 
uh, even if we don't understand it, even if it doesn't feel, but if we believe God's word, then in those times of it not making sense to us, mm-hmm. we just say, God, I'm gonna, I'm gonna trust you. Yes. Uh, you know, so, well, brother, it's been been good going through this. I hope this has been helpful for for those listening, and it's you know, helpful for me. It's been, so. <laughs> it's been good for both of us, I know, and so yeah. So, would you just close us in prayer? Love to. Okay. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for uh, your truth that has been revealed in your son, Jesus. We thank you for your truth that has been given to us in the form of the the Holy Scriptures. Mm -hmm. And God, just for your spirit that continues to open our eyes to see and our ears to hear. And so our prayer is that you would help us to know the truth, that Mm -hmm. you would make our hearts wise to be able to discover and discern who you are, God what you would have of us, for us, and from us. God, that you would, that you would, after after encountering your truth, you would enable Mm -hmm. us to respond in such a way that brings honor and glory to your name, Jesus, Mm -hmm. and and advances your kingdom, that somehow our response to the truth we encounter in Christ would cause us to love our neighbor just as Christ Mm -hmm. has loved us, that would cause us to Uh, live and lead and serve in such a way that those on the outside looking in would without a doubt know whom we love and serve Mm. and that they would see Jesus, that they would actually experience and encounter the truth of Christ as they encounter our lives. I thank you for my brother Jesse and just pray great blessings on him and his ministry upon the work of this podcast. May all those who are listening uh, be blessed and may they have an encounter with the truth of Jesus Christ. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to episode 18 of What Do I Think? I hope this episode was helpful in exploring some of the questions and thoughts that we wrestled through. What do I believe about absolute truth? If I believe God's word is absolute truth, How closely do I align my life and base my decisions on that truth? If I am to strive to be like Christ and live a life full of grace and truth, how might I need to grow as his follower to be full of both? As you walk away from today's episode and think about these questions, I hope you will begin to ask yourself, what do I think? I'm excited for episode 19 in two weeks as we will have a new guest, Pastor Kevin Beachy, and discuss how we can have emotional stability in a time of such instability. God bless and have a wonderful weekend.